0: I was attacked by a fox last night. What? So I was walking back from the pub that I work at with Chewy and mm. um, there's a little green a street away from us. He goes for like a poo and a pee there mm. and um, he's doing his business and we see, I see something like run across the green and it's a fox. It's like staring at us from like about sort of like half a field's length away mm. and then it just starts sprinting at us just like full on sprinting. And then, um, so me and Chewy just start running away and then we turn around and it's looking at us again and then it sprints at us again. And so I have to pick Chewy up and I have to kick at it because it was so close, um, trying to like go at Chewy. And so I run across the road and it's like a street away from us and then it tries coming at us again. So I'm just, so I just running up the street and then, um, I think it must've had like cubs or something in the bushes But um, it was ready to go, man. That sounds pretty traumatic. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck do I do? It's following me home. Speaking of interesting looking creatures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys.
0: Rob's got his skiing
1: goggles and his hat on at 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Hi, chaps. How you doing? Uh, James had a terrifying experience with a fox last night. So we were talking about suburban wild animals. Oh, wow. Just for future advice, you know, um, James, the worst thing you can actually do is pick up your dog.
0: Is that true? Um,
2: in situations, because uh, then suddenly the the dog that's attacking feels that it's been made subordinate to a dog in height and will attack
0: even more. Maybe that's why it started running across the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then... I didn't know Caesar Milan was a skier. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge there. I'll play. Oh, remember that. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Top tip. I mean, it's, I know it's sort of counterintuitive because nor do you want to see your dog sort of ravaged by another dog, but <laughs> yeah. um, often they'll, uh, it can be worse. They can tear off your arm. Oh, there you go. So um, top tip there, yeah. Foxes
1: are dicks, aren't they? They are ah. a bit di- I was just saying my mum feeds them. So like, if I there's mean, leftover food, she'll leave, she'll leave food at like half past 11 at night. And when I've stayed here, stayed at my mum's house, I've heard them like proper having a go outside. And i You've obviously heard a fox's bark. It sounds like a forty-year-old aging man has like stepped on a on a plug socket. It's that horrible of a noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a horrible sound. So <laughs> when foxes have sex, yeah. I mean that is horrible. Do you know? Is it foxes or cats?
2: I don't cats know. Cats, but do you know why
1: they painful sex? Do you know why they scream? Is that cats or foxes? I, I think it could be both, but I think it's it's definitely cats. So when 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 the male when when the boy boy cat Tom what they call the boy cat the cat that was mm. designated was assigned male at birth mm. retracts um the his his has got like fur going the wrong way so the lady cat goes mm. oh that's smart and then screams yeah mm. so, yeah. yeah. but i was once a, a few years ago in a really
2: hot summer i was sat up here in this very room and um i had the front door open all the doors open all the windows open the back doors open to so trying to get some sort of breeze through the house you know when it's just heavy humid hot summer days and there's no air around and i just sort of sensed something over my shoulder and thought looked around and assumed it was uh scrumpy our then dog and then a few minutes later i looked around and saw a fox just walking down across the corridor upstairs in our house that had been in my housemates holy shit and I was like, "What the fuck?" And so I chased it down. And it ran outside of the house, wow. but he'd been in my housemate's room
0: chewing his shoes. <laughs> he'd come up all the way upstairs. A fox. Wow, that's a bold fox! You know, in ancient Egypt, like cats domesticated themselves. Mm. Apparently, scientists are saying that some foxes are trying to attempt that. Mm. Yeah, I've you've, you see they
1: want to move in and yeah, watch that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't? They um, just watch Leicester fixtures, all of them. Um, they, <laughs> the, Yeah, the RSPCA and all those chari- governing and charity bodies of animals, they're trying to, like, tell people not to feed them. So, obviously, my mum's about – but there's, like, loads of videos on, like, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram of, like, just middle-class stay-at-home mums yeah. with, like – Spoonfuls of pate with like foxes out the f- in their back yeah. pretending yes. that it's like, oh, look how lovely we're doing. It. It's like, yeah, but it will like eat your baby, so maybe don't do that. My <laughs> heart's a growing tender, but a moment, recalling our childhood. We are home, sip a cup of cocoa in the hour, lemon by the fire. We are home. Of snow is the smell of home dripping woollen jumpers by the stone dripping woolen jumpers by the stone we're here a bit early aren't we actually rob it's early doors in the clubhouse it's quite quite impressive right we don't usually get here this early i know i
2: know and um, i quite like it this Me time too, of day yeah. when it's just sort of you can still smell the disinfectant from the still cleaning the over the weekend yeah.
1: the locals are already in yeah. having a pint of mild at 10 o'clock in the morning it's just it's just nice yeah. to be home isn't it oh it's, it's good, good to be back
2: i've missed you all as well it's yeah. good to be in the clubhouse it's been a while since we've sat down together and talked through our sporting stuff. weekends. Exactly. How was it?
1: Uh, my sporting weekend was um, sort of nondescript. I mean, I, I, I mm. mean, we can just talk about it straight away because I'm so excited about it. West Bromwich Albion have been bought. Oh, has that happened? Yeah. Sorry, you were skiing, right? Oh, great. West Bromwich Albion. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm really. Yeah, bent. we've been bought by uh, Shyland Patel uh, for 60 million British pounds, which is a bargain. Yeah, that's like one player at the city, yeah. and like you can buy a football club for that. How amazing is that? Wow. Yeah, but we've been sold. So, oh, we've been bought, yeah. So we are, you know, Champions League in a couple of years. So that's going to be great, yeah, isn't it? it's happening. Uh, no, it's been... How it's been loaded good. is said chap? His dad's worth two billion and mm. him and his dad have bought it. He owns a minority share in Bologna in Syria, right. which is quite cool. So he's football-orientated. But we're just sort of happy yeah. that the, you know, the last custodian, if you can call him a custodian, has... Um, off which is quite nice yeah but obviously in typical West Bromwich Albion fashion we played Southampton Friday night and the news mm. broke Friday afternoon so then obviously it was a sellout because it was a party atmosphere we've been bought yeah New Horizons and then we got absolutely tonked by Southampton I mean it was only 2-0 <laughs> but they absolutely creamed us so that was typical West Brom so that was good um I've been listening to a lot of cricket I don't know if you've seen yes, the
2: India... The India, yeah, yes. Kind of... Um, so let's talk about that because it's after such a brilliant first test yeah. when England were out there, won f- in India for the first time in Yonkies' years. Yonkies' years? it really set up the series. Yonkies' dears? <laughs> it, donkey years. <laughs> <laughs> it really set up the series, didn't it? And I think... And I was chatting, actually, to a big cricket fan last week about this. And then they've gone out and they've just basballed it again yeah, in said the it, next two tests... Yeah. And without any nuance about playing the situation in the game, India, a man down, Mm. injured, Mm -hmm. and they still went out and did stupid things Mm. and have blown it. Yeah. Who's who's
1: doing ramp shots when we need five hundred runs? Can we not?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 I think just play differently, play smart. It's a
1: very bold statement, but the whole argument about Basball is gonna come back and you know, just I think it's it might have died a death now, Basball. It was great for the Ashes because it was good fun, but leave Test cricket alone. Some people like test cricket. You know, they like five days of conservative cricket and then you get to the last day and then need to do stuff. People like that. Just leave it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it hasn't changed. Sorry, it hasn't given us some great moments, Basball. but I'm like, leave it alone. I like to test cricket. So just, you don't need but to isn't go the all point, in. They're
2: not mutually exclusive things, right? You know, that this is fantastic, like to go out, disarm teams, take them on, you know, put them on the back foot. But then circumstances conditions change and you need to react to it. You mm. need more strings to your bow. Yeah. And I think it's just bringing back, you know, call it conservative, or what just smart, isn't it? You yeah. know, if you are three nil up in a game, you don't sort of take all the defenders off and keep piling forward. Yeah. You think, actually, do you know what? We'll put in, we'll swap in a defensive midfielder and we'll hold on to this lead. That's just sport. That's just tactics. And this one unconditional way of playing I think is just it's dumb and it is dumb it was great listening to Michael Vaughan ranting about it the other they day.
1: really are it really <laughs> has split a lot of arguments as well but I've, I've been listening to a cricket podcast called No Balls and they had yes, Ollie you're obsessed with Alex Hartley oh, I love Alex Hartley I'm kind of scared if, she, if one day we ever got her on this podcast because I'd just tell her my undying love for her but she's <laughs> yeah they're both amazing Crossy and Hartley but I'm sort of like I'm listening through their back catalogue So I'm only, I'm just about, they've just beaten Pakistan, the England men's team, and they're talking about baseball and they absolutely creamed Pakistan back into 2022, the winter test. And they had Ollie Pope on and Ollie Pope was saying, you know, we're trying to to, to play this new style of cricket and we're hoping that it will catch on for other teams on the circuit. And, you know, it will just make test cricket more exciting, more accessible and people will want to watch it more. And he scooched forward two years and it's like, nope nobody else is doing it australia absolutely <laughs> rinses for it it's just not a it's not it's just not a good idea i mean yeah you're right in certain circumstances great idea but just leave it alone test cricket's great it's brilliant yeah i don't know i think it has i mean i think it's easy to forget
2: how test cricket was on the way and all the one day formats were overwhelming everything mm-hmm. people were talking about is it existential threat to test cricket and i think that ashes series and the English team's style of the last few years has really brought the focus back to it, yeah. but we just
1: need a bit of nuance in it. Yeah, I think Yeah. bit smart, bit savvy. Um, something yeah. else happened this weekend, Rob, as well. Yeah. Um, It was the, at time of recording, it was the BAFTAs last night.
2: Yes, it was, yeah. Did you watch?
1: I didn't watch them. My friend is
2: the producer of it. Mm -hmm. I also have a mate who uh, works at BAFTA, and I've been fortunate enough to go to the film BAFTAs about three or four times over the years. Mm. I didn't go last night. didn't watch it. I was
1: back. What were you nominated for?
2: (laughs) (laughs) What were you nominated for, Rob? I was nominated for most stylish uh velour tuxedo right in attendance and the yeah, luckiest
1: yeah. twat alive award goes to <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably that one. but i did um i did get some compliments on my outfits historically from no other than alice and or cj <laughs> craig of nice. the west wing, west wing yeah. came up to me in the pre-drinks and said you look fantastic you look great you look said, great thanks ali i yeah,
1: i'm a bit i'm a, a bit i'm a bit kind of on the fence with award ceremonies. Sometimes I love them. Yeah. Sometimes I find them incredibly pretentious. Sometimes I think they're needed. Sometimes I think they're incredibly miserable because every yeah. speech is just sort of sad um, sometimes. But then other times I'm like, wow, this is life-affirming. And I'm probably more this this um, team trade of thinking. It is life-affirming. I mean, Samantha Morton won the fellowship award last night. And her speech oh, really? was just gorgeous and life-affirming and inspiring and her life leading up to that moment of her winning that uh, lifetime fellowship award was really really cool but speeches yeah. are too long i mean have you ever done a, a, an acceptance speech for an award rob
2: um good question um when i was referee of the year national <sighs> rugby league referee of the year okay. i did get to go up and make an acceptance speed yeah, no. uh, uh, acceptance speech at the national award ceremony i think i was quite young and tried to be funnier than I should have been. I'm not sure it landed as well as my memory of it. It was a long time ago. How scared were you doing Um, it? I mean, I love being up front in those situations, (laughs) to be honest, to my cost. I love that sort of stuff. I really thrive when I get put out in those situations. Mm. But, you know, when you were award nominated Mm -hmm. for your Olivier, did you... you plan the speech. Well, I've won a What's
1: On Stage award and did a speech live on BBC Radio
2: too. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Did you? Um, did tell us about it. It was... Uh, well, it's interesting you say that because I was going to say I, I was shaking like a shitting dog and you sort what of you? look out and you go, wow, there are some pretty cool people in this room and yeah. it's... it's you've got your piece of paper and you're just sort of shaking and you know it's live on radio and your mum's listening and your nan's listening. Yeah, <laughs> like just yeah. try and say the words but you're not p- portraying a character you're being you and yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like the the the, the extra pressure is quite a lot and it it was it was quite terrifying it's 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 on it's on bbc sounds that award ceremony from a couple of years ago a friend of mine actually did he did like a lip sync over it yeah uh, and kind of copied me doing it and the, the main thing watching that performance <laughs> of him doing it was just that like, i really sounded quite nervous but i tried to be funny and then I would try to just get off because I, I, I sort of felt like you don't want to hear me do this. You just want to get on because you do feel like at awards ceremonies, it's like, how many are left? Like, come on, I just want to get up. Yeah. A bit, get oh, a bit.
2: God. They are long, long old things. things. And literally everyone in the room just wants to get to the dinner yeah. and drinks thing afterwards. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And the only person interested in listening to your speech are people who know you. Yeah. Everyone else in the room, everyone on the broadcast. Yeah isn't really interested in it. And I always think as well, is really fascinating about these award things is the people who present the awards Mm. will come on and they often try to be witty. Yes. These are people who are trained artists (laughs) at the top of their game and they come on and they're either wooden as hell reading like they've never ever seen the words ever before. And you're like, you could have just put in a couple of minutes prep and read what you were going to say there Mm. and learnt the names of the nominees. It looks like you've never heard of these people ever before. Or, Even worse, they prepped a little skit between the two of them, thinking that they're going to be quite funny. And it
1: almost always falls flat on its heart. It's such a good show. Yeah, it's quite a weird weird thing for them to do, really. But, uh, you know, actors are weird people, if I'm honest with you. We're all sort yeah. of scared, insecure little beasts. So, you know, when yeah. we're put in front of a camera and a microphone, then it's like, <laughs> you're all watching me, aren't you? Yeah. But no, it's yeah. not. Go away. And you combine all
2: that with a bit of back slapping and self-congratulatory yeah, exactly. nonsense yeah. that is any sort of industry award focus is bloody horrible. It is really. weird. We're a weird bunch. Yeah. But
1: the BAFTAs was, I thought David Tennant did a, a sterling job, bless him. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, in his coat. Uh, he did a skit with um, Michael Sheen at the start. You know, he. I can't remember what, what's it, what it's called. Over lockdown, they did like those FaceTime TVs that skip sitcom yes. thing, whatever. He they, they did something like that, which was really good. And I adore Michael Sheen as well. He's an unbelievably amazing bloke um so yeah. yeah BAFTAs was good when when did you return from your Italian script were you Italy was it Italy I was I was away skiing in Italy I got back late on
2: Saturday night Saturday. exhausted from my travails and uh excessive skiing which was just brilliant I've had a, such a lovely time but before we go into skiing and talk more broadly about skiing just to say Leeds are rocking it at the minute, oh fine in yeah we've well, yeah, we done we've done our yeah part talk about Leeds. yeah
1: what um you're not second you're third actually oh no you are second Second. We actually, you beat Plymouth. Uh, well, we reclaimed
2: yeah. second spot over the weekend. I think Southampton are playing on Tuesday or Wednesday night this week, so they can go back and grab it with a point ahead. But it, it really is turning into a second-place battle between us and Southampton as
1: Ipswich are dropping off, I think. Do you want me to piss on your chips a little bit? Yeah, sure. Southampton are the best team we've played at the Hawthorns this season by a country mark. Really? Yeah, better than Leicester really? and a mile, like, differently to Leeds. They were... Mm. i I can't see leeds taking second it will be leicester southampton Mm. you'll be playing coventry or hull in the semis and then possibly us or ipswich (sighs) in the final i i I don't know i i yeah that's a bold statement but i think southampton are purring at the moment before before, so we we played them last friday They lost to Bristol the Tuesday before. Before that game, they were unbeaten in 26 games and had won about 24 of them. It's obscene what they've been able to do.
2: No, they really are on a roll. But we're playing Leicester this coming Friday night... Um, Leicester lost at the weekend, yeah, did, so the lead yeah. is down to nine. If we were to beat them, that yeah. would be down to six, and that could really put a lot of pressure yeah. on Cat- Leicester, and who knows what would happen. Cat
1: amongst the pigeons, yeah. I think, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's you, it's you three. I think Ipswich have cemented a, um, it's kind of a really annoying, because the championship's really frustrating sometimes. It's great when it's yeah. really, really close. yeah. But Leicester and Southampton and leeds well, Leicester have run away with it at the moment, at the time of yeah. recording. Southampton and Leeds. That's for the next automatic spot. Ipswich are just in the playoffs. They're not going to finish second and they're tailing off a bit. And then it's, yeah, there's about nine teams that can finish fifth or sixth, starting with West Brom all the way down to like, I don't know, Watford in 10th or something or 12th yeah. or something. So it's, it is a crazy, crazy season in the championship. I really, really don't want to play you in the playoff final if we get there.
2: Oh, I, it would I mean, just... be great content for the pod, but I mean, from a heart, I don't point know of if you do much, yeah. I think would be really, really where would we sit? Though. Where would we sit, Rob? Oh, god. Well, I mean, we could really only afford the roof at one of the ends, but uh, maybe we'll get invited. Well, can I, do you know what I would suggest? Someone.
1: We would have to sit in Club Wembley, you know, the band, the yes. bit in the middle, because we couldn't yeah. sit in Leeds okay, or yeah, West Brom
2: because it no, would just get beaten I've up. I've done that before, it's so difficult, yeah. So, we'd have it's to so sit difficult in, to be in, in a Club Wembley. Wembley, so yeah, yeah. Okay, done. Okay, fine. Um, The Super League season started this weekend as well. It's always great. Back in summer sport. Kicked off this weekend. Wins were Leeds. St. Helens looked impressive. It's good to have London Broncos back in the league again. You'll be proud of me, Um, Rob. Oh, yeah. I watched them. Did you? I watched... Well, because it's partly... It's back on the BBC, yeah. some of the games now. Castleford versus Wigan. Oh, yeah. I watched a bit yeah. of that. that was a, there was a sending off in that game, wasn't there? I think it was on a few seconds I watched it. I watched the, the sending
1: off. Um, you dirty get, Campbell. Get him off the field! <laughs> <laughs> Shove it up yours! You bottlers get... <laughs> What a magnificent try! Yeah, um Castleford Tigers. I think that's coming up in an upcoming episode. If you don't know what that means, but basically, yeah, it's some in-house commentary yeah. from a Castleford legend. Anyway, um yeah, it, there was a there was a, a red card in it, but I because I don't really know the rules that very well. I'm not well versed in rugby league or union. Yeah, I just you know that tackle looked exactly the same as every other tackle I've seen at rugby. It's just two <laughs> massive blokes just hitting each other.
2: Yeah. It is slightly, both codes are slightly consuming themselves with the uh, attempt to try and make it a little safer. Yeah. Bottom line is, you know, these are big guys running into each other really hard mm. and quick and there's going to be injuries and attempts to try and make it a safer sport, I think are a little futile and yeah. potentially even more dangerous because people are going in tense, worried about yeah. where they can and can't tackle. Um, so I think it's there's a long way to go in both codes for that but it's impressive isn't it yeah i
1: very impressive i think i like league more than union um it seems i a think bit it's more, a better watch it is a better watch it seems more fluid it seems more it seems simpler to follow as well yeah and the phases it's you know it's a little bit um american football with it yes or rather because, yeah, yeah, exactly
2: you've yeah. got it's much more about you see it's incremental territory gaining whereas yeah. Union can get bogged down in technicalities around lineouts and scrums Mm. and to gain territory, they'll normally hoof long distances, whereas league is incrementally trying to go up the pitch. You'll see more line breaks. You'll get more, I think, ball through the hands. Yeah you'll get a bit more dynamic seeing some of these fast, powerful centres trying to break lines a bit wider out. So in that sense, you can, you can definitely see a bit of the I also like, American football stuff going on. I also
1: on. like it when they're like, you know, they've got the ball and they're like running and then they hit each other and then there's like loads of big yeah. hard tackles. And then the guy with the ball stands up, puts the ball down and very daintily just like rolls it backwards. It's quite yeah. cute, actually. <laughs> He's like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. like, here goes the ball. It's quite sweet yeah (laughs) the
2: pendulum of brutality and finesse (laughs) all in a little play of the ball yeah i know it's really good yeah Yeah. speaking of brutality and finesse um the mountains good segue good segue our segues are getting better aren't Um, (laughs) in our own minds in our own minds um yeah so i yeah i got back from skiing have you are you
1: sure sure you've gone come back because you're currently wearing (laughs) a ski hat a very a crystal white uh bobble ski hat with a nice little poof on the top with some very i mean you look like geordie laforge from star trek
2: (laughs) thanks (laughs) um yeah, these are my Smith goggles that go with my Smith helmet, and I'm sporting my Hornley Hutter um, white bobble hat, which I was donated to. Hornley Hutter is a beautiful mountaintop restaurant, properly at the top of a mountain in Arosa, in Switzerland, where I was earlier this year for the Arosa Gay Ski Week which you'll remember I sort of go on an annual pilgrimage there to ski guide but last week I was in Italy for the first time in the Dolomites as I referred to last week's pod oh my god what a fantastic beautiful resort that was Mm. and it was the first time I've been there and it's so stunning like totally different mountain range rolling weird roundy mountains with peaks behind and loads of different topography i don't really understand i'm not very good on my sedentary and calcium rock formations but
1: i don't think you need um, to, me, to be to t- fair just, <laughs> just go down the skis like... <laughs> um,
2: yeah but god such a different environment it was really really stunning and had a great time yeah. epic huge ski area and as we'll hear in a bit i really was pissed <laughs> No, it really pissed. Okay. Actually, a little bit. I mean, that's part <laughs> definitely part of the culture, and I yeah. do love that part of it. But there was just some moments where I was really like, "This is as good as life gets." You really, I really, really are at peace when I'm on a mountain. You there.
1: really, it's I really, really. It's love quite. It. It's it's sort of like your mental health buzz, really, isn't it? It really brings you yeah, back to it. A, really, really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So, have you ever skied? Um, have I ever skied? I have. I've never skied abroad. I've never gone on a skiing trip. Uh, no. I had opportunities to go a few times, but I have done So you've done the Dolomites? You've done the Tamworth Snowdam. Uh, yeah, you've done the you've done the Dolomites, I've done the Tamworth Snowdam. But I didn't snow I didn't <laughs> ski. I uh, I snowboarded. Snowbowed, snowboarded i was snowboard. oh yeah no i can see that yeah. um because i used to skateboard as a kid obviously because i'm a legend and i was, I was crap at that yeah. I was like, it's i find it very it was good fun but it's very very difficult and dangerous yeah it's very dangerous you can't stop i mean it is dangerous <laughs> you can't that stop is the
2: fundamental skill to learn early doors can't, is it, like w- how to stop the, the
1: lesson was like three hours with like a break in, in the middle yeah. and the first hour was like this is how you stop I just wasn't concentrating on that because at the end of the snow yeah. dome in Tamworth, they've got like crash pads. I was ah, oh, well, that's fine. I'll just hit those. But <laughs> if you're careering down like this, and it's only a tiny little ski slope. If you're careering down at like 45,000 kilometers an hour, it feels like, and you can't stop, the fear is overriding. So you just sort of throw yeah. yourself to the floor, but then you realize that your feet are essentially glued to a piece of yeah. plastic carbon fiber. And if you go over like one end and you flip it's just dangerous. Like my, I have really told you about this. I have a content, a congenital defect in my right knee. Mm-hmm. I don't have an ACL. Okay. <laughs> so that's already gone. <laughs> Maybe that helps. I need the left one. If I snap that one, mm. I'm in real trouble. I'm never going to play football again. Yeah. But yeah, I've snowboarded once. It's very, I would like to go skiing and I'd would like to go skiing with you. Actually. I think you tell me how to, you'd prove me how to do it, but it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. I mean, it is really, really hard. And I think, but that is part of the thrill. You know, when you have
2: descended like vertically 1,200 metres from the top of a peak and you turn around, you look back and you think, I've just come down there at 60 miles an hour on two bits of carbon fibre. And it felt brilliant yeah. and you look back and then as you know if you've ever been to an old o'neill's pub or a chalet set up in a london bar and you see all the memorabilia and paraphernalia from days gone by and you see a pair of old wooden skis on the wall and a couple of old wooden poles a bit of metal binding on there and you think wow back in the day people came up yeah. on two planks of wood yeah. obviously now like all sports the technology has improved so Vastly, and it's apart from ski boots, which no one seems to have solved at all. They're still just massively cumbersome (laughs) and uncomfortable. But please, come on, ski manufacturers, sort this out. (laughs) But they are—it's an amazing thing.
1: But I mean, I'm so lucky because I pestered my mum and dad. I was just going to ask you how did you how did it start? How did you get into skiing? Because it's not—you know—you're from Wakefield. (laughs) It's (laughs) not like you're not from the Alps (laughs) or something. You're a British lad from Wakefield. How did that come about?
2: Yeah. Oh, that said, there was a famous um, dry ski slope down in Sheffield that I did go to a few times oh, with my dad. Just a, you know, the horrible on, carpeted dry ski slope.
1: Just a note on dry ski slopes, because I've tobogganed down mm. one. If you fall, mm. think about, like, the worst astro burn on a football pitch times yeah. a 1,000, and there's holes in yeah. them. If you catch your ankle in there, you say goodbye to your foot. Terrifying. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, they're d- uh, just
2: designed to create havoc, you know, yeah. to get a thumb caught in. <laughs> You know, to, I think they're designed to really, really put off anybody
1: there from must actually be a going better out. Better way to, to do a dry ski slope than have like carpets yeah. with foot holes in them, where that you can break everything in there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, anyway, it's a
2: health and safety nightmare. So you went to that but, one um, in Sheffield. With, I, I went to that one, but I, I'd always, I think it it all began with the fascination, which I'm sure a lot of people share, is when the Winter Olympics come on TV and you see these beautiful resorts. And everybody gets obsessed with the Olympics over the period of time. You discover new sports. You get obsessed with curling. You get obsessed hey, at, with the sports and things. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I remember specifically watching the Lillehammer Olympics in Norway, which I think about 30 years ago now, thinking that looks amazing. Mm. I want to go to Lillehammer. And of course, the infamous Calgary Olympics mm. in Canada of cool runnings fame Mm -hmm. and eddie the eagle and all that stuff and just thinking i would love to be in these mountains yeah and i pestered my mum and dad to pay for me to go on a school ski trip when i was 11 or 12 early doors like in the first or second year of high school which they absolutely couldn't afford you know these were big big chunks of their annual holiday budget that they were thinking you know we want to go on a summer holiday all four of us we can't really justify blowing this on letting Rob go away on his own with school and us all suffer back here. And what do we do about Claire? You know, that's not very fair. And, I, and they said, no. And I pestered and pestered and pestered and they relented. And I went on the school ski trip and I am so grateful because Aww. it just was a passion born. Yeah. And then I went years subsequently to that in my gap year, I went skiing in New Zealand years later. I went to Canada and did a ski instructor course for four weeks and i've skied consistently over my life at least two or three sometimes four weeks a year why the he- because it's just my favorite thing to why do why the
1: hell are you an actor what the hell happened
2: oh i don't i'm well i'm really just waiting for them to do a bond movie <laughs> in the mountains again where Fuck i can off. be cast as the skiing baddie <laughs> uh, yeah okay. you know chasing bond <laughs> through the mountains <laughs> In really good, sleek, black ski wear coming through the trees, whipping out a gun and firing at him. Oh, oh, can you keep your accent I mean, as well? Yeah, Come here, Mr. Yeah.
1: Bond. I'll get you. Come closer.
2: <laughs> Going through the dry ski slopes of
1: Sheffield, <laughs> Jason Bond. He's a good skier, a isn't he? Fuck me. <laughs> okay, that's a very, that's um, a lovely way of, of getting into to to skiing actually that's very sweet yeah but of course i, I think there's something about the, the winter olympics especially being from britain it's like we are we are sort of fascinated by it because it's so different to what we have yeah. over here obviously we don't have like historically we're not good at um winter olympics um although having no. said that we've picked up a couple of medals but it it is quite magical and and very sort of not british and we're sort of obsessed with it and the way that it yeah. looks and it's very beautiful and i think we are quite We're quite enamoured. And I think it was difficult to
2: fully understand because obviously there is skiing as a recreational sport of which many, many people around the world Mm. do. I mean, let's be honest, it is not a very accessible, Mm. financially accessible sport for many, many people. So it is predominantly in the domains of the middle class, let's be frank about it, Mm. because it's a lot of money to go out there into the mountains. But as a competitive sport, you know, for countries like Austria... And Switzerland, the big superpowers of downhill and alpine skiing, this is national sport territory. This is people getting behind them in the way that we get behind our sports, Mm. where the stars become public figures, where they're the ones doing all the, you know, advertising campaigns for mobile phones and whatever else it is around the country. So these people really do become the focal point of sport adoration in their country. And the World Cup, see, I mean, there's various different disciplines of competitive skiing, the alpine skiing is often broke down into different events. There's obviously the downhill, which is the big speed event, which is throwing yourself down the mountain at high speeds, descending up to a thousand metres sometimes in the space of like one to two minutes. And whilst there's turns in those events, it really is about flat out speed you're taking on the mountain. It's all bravery. They've got super G events, which is a kind of combination between slalom and downhill where you've got you know 20 to 30 gates people going at full speed they don't they again they don't get to see these courses they've just got to throw them down there's giant slalom which is about 40 to 50 gates often down wider turns and then the slalom events which is the really technical event when people are whizzing between the poles super speed on short courses trying to technically manage the courses that are set. And and then, then there's combined events and loads of sort of stuff. So that's the sort of alpine part of it. But And these are huge sports in Austria, in Switzerland. America, obviously, is big as well into the downhill and boarding events. You've got, obviously, Italy and France and the Scandinavian countries. But, you know, huge, huge things. So, I mean, that's the sort of alpine part of it. And then you've got all the ski jumping stuff, the cross-country stuff, all the freestyle, the freestyle stuff, now skiing, all the jump stuff, the boarding and the exports, Mm. which has really taken it to a next level. And all the resorts you go to these days for recreational skiing, all the competitive stuff will have big snow parks Mm. with jumps and obstacles and rails and cars to jump on and all this sort of stuff where, you know, these kids now are so brave are loving all that stuff. And it really is, you know, you can really get your adrenaline kicks in
1: all that stuff. I think
2: I'm a bit too old for that. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I'm me scared. too. i risk averse. I mean, I wish I, I, wish I, I was. I just was. love being on a big red piece, wide carpeted. What well, I mean by carpeted, they groom the piece and it looks like cord in the morning and it just
1: grips your skis and it's beautiful. You're oh. Be very romanticised of it. Maybe, uh, and I did allude this to last week when I was saying that you were skiing. I feel like you have missed your calling. You should have been a ski mm dude a skier yeah but i mean there's it's, it's obviously very romantic and sweeping majestically through the alps or the dolomites and then popping down to the chalet to have a fondue and a couple of pints yeah. of local ale or lager or something and but yeah. you know i just can't stand i wouldn't want to do that with archie and tilly from surrey you know whilst they're pissed and <laughs> all that kind of stuff like, <laughs> get a grip guys like like fair enough you're good at skiing chill out <laughs> I mean,
2: there is that world. I remember going years and years ago to Verbier with a mate of mine. And Verbier is a very expensive resort. It attracts a lot of wealth uh, right across Europe, Russian wealth. And I remember being in one of these apres ski bars and there was a bunch of like wanker pretentious Mm. 25 year old posh boys all stood on tables with bottles of verve in their hand instead of glasses they were just handing out bottles you know rather than drinking from glasses or pint pots Mm. and there is definitely that world to it but there is a whole i mean for me when you're up there and you're in the most beautiful parts of the world and then you stop you ski really hard in the morning it's exertion it's the best hangover cure there is you take in the environment and you you feel really at peace and then you're skiing and talk about mindfulness yeah. and being present you really just have to be where you are you can't think too far ahead you can't reflect on what you've just done you've got to be present in that moment on that bit of mountain on those skis being really focused and then you do that and you ski hard in the morning and then you find an amazing lunch spot and you have like a tarty flat like potatoes and cheese and bacon with a red wine or a, or as I was in Italy, just a fresh pasta up on the mountain, a great bolognese covered in parmesan cheese with a glass what? of red wait wine. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait and a minute. You God, went to so Italy good. and
1: had a bolognese? Come on, man, you can oh, have that yeah. here. Yeah, but like,
2: yeah, oh
1: no. You can have that here. Well, I do, frequently, all the time. <laughs> you just go, but, but, um, um... Wait, are you the kind of guy that goes, my grandpa, bless him, he, um, whenever we used to go to an Italian, we used to go to the same Italian restaurant, and we all knew what he'd order minestrone to start, spaghetti bolognese for main, <laughs> and then a tiramisu for dessert. Literally a tiramisu Literally, that's it. Yeah. You can't do that in Italy. You've got to go, you've got to play roulette. Just put your hand on the menu and go, that one. Yeah. Right, screw it.
2: Yeah. I mean, there is, like, you'll, you'll see some sort of Italian chef who's in this canteen up a mountain. He's very proud of what he's whipped up and he's made this amazing yeah. carbonara. And there's, a, and they pile it yeah. on and they make it feel like he's made it fresh for you, just you that day. And, <laughs> Oh, it is the whole thing. I mean, it is great. Oh, the English guy's is here is again, so I better cultures. do the carbonara and polenta yeah. sauces yeah, yeah, yeah. again.
1: Oh.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, I, as, you, as you know, I, I do some guiding for quite a high-end British ski touring company mm. where they provide amazing childcare so people can go off and have this holiday and they can just dump their kids with other people oh, for a week and have a lovely time. Yeah. And I ski with the adults and take them to some fine restaurants around the mountain. <laughs> and, you know, you're getting Michelin-starred quality food oh, brilliant. up the mountain. I mean, it's really, really good. That's that's a bit of me. I mean, a, really, really good stuff. Um, Shall we have a little listen to me skiing? Because I did some recording. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is me, my peak wanky... Gushing. ...really taking in 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 the moment. Just for context, I was out in a resort. I explain this, but in Val Galdina has what's called the Legendary Eight. And these are eight runs around the resort that are marked up on the piece map that are all significant in some way. So... They're the 1970 Women's World Cup downhill race course. It's the current Men's World Cup race course called the Sashlong, where they compete annually at this. I skied that run. Um, there are old ones where the first run in the 1940s that they created for competitive skiing in that resort. And I skied five of the legendary eight. And this is me He's on already the first got one, me. the <laughs> Sir, uh, And it's such a beautiful run. And I was on there by myself with only about two or three other skiers about nine o'clock in the morning, beat the crowds, and this is me just having completed the run. I'm just taking a pause to stop and take this in because I've just skied part of the Legendary 8, which is a famous route as part of the San Cassiano area near the Salaronda in Italy, and I've just skied the Sur, which is part of it, and it's a black run, the number two, and it's a long, wide, it's not really a black run, it's a it's a really nice red, but I was the kind of, I was one of only two or three people on the piste. And when you get to the bottom half, you're really amongst the trees. I heard barks of dogs, or were they even wolves? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, you're at and a the, the Tweeting to each other, calling, and sat on the lift on the way back up to the halfway point on my own, just taking it all in, thinking this really is as good as it gets. There's a hanging fog and mist at this level that I've stopped at. It's the light is cute. flat, the visibility isn't marvellous <laughs> on a still, You can still see you, cross valleys <laughs> and the mist is moving quite a pace and it's eerie and beautiful and romantic and this really is as good as skiing gets, I, I truly feel so at peace I know it's wanky to say but it, it's as fulfilling and as centred as you can feel it's gorgeous
1: Oh, so lucky
2: Oh, did you hear the swish of someone going by me at the end?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being clear. I think I'm being clear. fucking gushing, man. Jesus. No, I'm joking. It's very beautiful. And I think um, to be sort of serious about it, I think we all have certain things that we sort of need that are necessary to kind of combat the, you know, the shitness of life that happens sometimes as yeah. part of life and we need something to kind of center us and pull us back to that mindful state and it's very lovely to see and to hear it in practice as you're on the slopes actually because it's very life affirming that we all have and we all find those little pastimes or hobbies or whatever they are or ski trips to Italy that kind of bring us back to kind of going, Okay, yeah, this is this is pretty good. I'm back. I feel yeah. cool. Um I feel centered. So it's yeah. amazing and to hear like, it. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's really cool. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean it's totally wanky. But it is true. And I, I remember actually years ago I was out in Switzerland and I'd got a call from Brian Lavery, the playwright who I'd worked mm. with a number of times as an actor i directed a couple of her shows historically and she was she'd done an adaptation of the borrowers that was being produced up at the story house in, Ch- in chester yep. and the director had had to withdraw from the project because they'd got a job as an artistic director in a building and brianie recommended me to the theater to say what about rob to come in and take over directing it so she called me and said would you be interested and i was like sure it sounds fun why don't you send me the script let me have a read and i'll get back to you mm. and i was out skiing and brianie sent the script in that situation normally if i was in london i would polish off the script in a couple of hours read it have a little thing give her a decision it took me all week to get through the script because mm. i just didn't want to engage with the world beyond the mountains yeah. of where i was yeah. i was sat for long periods of time on chairlifts, as you do between runs thinking oh, i suppose i should think about the borrowers and I didn't want to I just wanted to take in where I was and look and breathe deeply and be quiet or speak to the person I was with and it took me all week to get through the script and finally make a decision because and I feel like that a lot when I'm away I don't I don't text my family mm. I'm, I'm not in touch with friends I find it, you know it takes me days to respond to an email that would take me seconds normally and yeah,
1: I think that's just the power of it all. Is that why you go away um, so much? You just don't like your family or friends? <laughs> Maybe you should get a therapist, Rob, instead of not going <laughs> <Yeah>. away.
2: <laughs> I know. This is pretty expensive therapy, I'll be honest. Crikey. It might be easier just to sit in my room, yeah, room and just talk get to a someone. Therapy, or just have a
1: screen <laughs> of the mountains. Cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm being clever again. But yeah, I think, yeah. I can totally imagine that, and I think we all have those moments that you know this we all have some we all have a pastime or something that's sort of sacred to the individual to us, and you don't want anything to kind of influence or infect or you know the outside world to come in and it's It's very yeah. nice to hear you do i mean uh, my my it, it's quite interesting that that well obviously we've done a podcast about sport and theater, but my as uh, is sport that little gap from. That yeah. little space from the real world is, is is sport that kind of gives you that sense of, of mindfulness and, you know, be that playing cricket in a gorgeous setting in, you know, the countryside yeah. somewhere here yeah, or, you yeah. know, skiing or having a fish or all that kind of stuff. It is like pure mindfulness, which is cool. Eating fish? Eating fish, yeah. Just oh, fishing. Fishing, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Just, if yeah. you go down have... Just having a piece of battered corn yeah, is, is really Get your air fire out, really have helpful three or four things. fish fingers, and then you just feel really at one with the world. It's really <laughs> <Yes>. nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but I'm also a really good skier. Uh, here's me um, uh, going down the uh, men's World Cup run, at the Sash Long in Italy. Q, James. <laughs> So, I'm at the top of the Sashlong Men's Downhill World Cup ski race piece uh, here over in Val Gardina pot side. So, it's a, and, uh, again, it's a, one of the legendary eight. Uh, done the top bit, which was a little bit, just getting here to the top of the piece was a bit gnarly. But this actually looks quite good. Um, I don't think it's been pieceded very you much. It sounded a bit posh, a bit of a bumpy like putting a posh accent. I'm uh, relatively a bit busy do I, again. Do, the do I? That's fog funny. Fog and mist. <laughs> Again, the fog and mist is nicely looming, <laughs> making it all quite atmospheric. But uh,
1: here we go. Wish me luck. Did you? Did you do it? Did you die? Are you okay? Do, this is me. So I just mom. made it down to the bottom of the sash line. <laughs> oh, fantastic
2: laugh. right-hand bend coming down. Which obviously I'm doing loads of turns here, but you can imagine the race is just absolutely tonking it round there. A big, almost, I'd say, probably like 45 degree bend arcing round to the end. And then they come in, and you can imagine what the stadiums would look like at the bottom. Really cool, with all the fans screaming. But yeah, completed, done the Sashlon Men's Downhill World Cup ski race. Let's go back up,
1: where next? That's pretty damn cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really funny. On these World Cup runs, of which there are many courses around, In you know, in Norway, Switzerland, Austria, Italy, France, North America, that they compete in in these World Cup runs over the course of the year. They sort of start up on a glacier in Austria in October time and will go through to March and accumulate points in these races to be the world champion. And then obviously they've got the Olympic cycle every four years as well. But I've seen them prepare these courses. Now, this is just open to the public, and it actually turns out to be just quite a nice run that you can do. But to turn them into the competitive run, Mm. they scrape all the snow off it, leaving the ice underneath, the packed ice. Then they will inject chemicals into the run that freeze it even harder, and then they'll let it freeze overnight, and then they do that again over the course of a few days until it becomes sheet ice. And then they inject these chemicals around the side to create the the outline of the course. You'll see them if you ever watch Ski Sunday now with the blue lines around. And they sometimes put a line in to show the contours. And they build all the infrastructure around it, all the crash barriers down the run. They'll build stadia at the bottom, the gatehouse at the top where they come out of, where all the other skiers will accumulate and watch one another. And it is treacherous Mm, stuff mm. in those conditions that you would not want to ski on your normal skis. Uh, any person of sound mind anyway. And they throw themselves down these and they're reaching like 200 kilometres an hour. Jesus Christ. You know, at wow. top speed, which is just crazy. And you can see when they fall,
1: you know, they are really, well, you know, really indeed. Yeah. I mean, I was going to mention um, skiing injuries. Uh, they are, y- you don't just turn your ankle. No. You are, they are bad. I don't know if you've seen the, um, uh, the I don't know. What, what, I don't. It's just a viral clip that's gone around. There's obviously a guy coming down a slalom. <laughs> And he really? mistimes a turn and takes one, oh. one of the, the gates <laughs> yes. that are made of, are they made of rubber? They're sort of, they're very bendy, sort of rubbery no, plastic. They're, yeah, they're quite hard plastic. Hard actually, plastic. is okay. what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'd obviously mistimed the turn and took both of the, both sides of this gate in the, in yes. the gooly and it apps in yeah. the scream that he made. Oh, yeah. Just, Oh, no way, thank very much. Yeah, they're not yeah. very good And they are hard. If you whack those with a shoulder, you will be bruised. Yeah,
2: I um, can imagine. You know, yeah. you know, if you'd have the right gear that is in their kit, they've got, you know, they've got guards on their arms so that they can, the slalomers will whack the post deliberately to get that that advantage. But if you just whack those without any protection, you will be bruised yeah. and hurt. So if it
1: goes in that area, wow. Say, I say mean, that is, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're essentially skiing yeah. down in like, you know, brightly colored condoms as well they're not going down in like <laughs> you know, like american football gear which is apparently what i would need because it'd be terrifying yeah but yeah if you get whacked on that and he i mean yeah not cool i can imagine that was the most painful thing that's ever happened to him yeah um, have you had any injuries have you had any Yeah, I've done. Oh, you've done both knees. What i talking Um, about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have
2: over the years, and I wear big, heavy straps on my knees these days, Mm. as much for sort of, you know, psychosomatic peace of mind Mm. as warmth and protection. There's a lot of pressure going through your body on these mountains when you're picking up speed on your spine as well, and obviously, it's like it's funny. I mean, it's like a lot of sports, but when you're a beginner, which is why it puts a lot of people off. It is a lot of effort, you know. Like bad skiing takes a lot of effort. And when you get better and better, you become more efficient and more economical and you can, you know, it actually just becomes a lot more pleasurable apart from when you're really challenging yourself on tougher runs and you just, you learn to let the equipment and the mountain do it for you. You know, like point down the hill is a lot easier. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. It's it's usually knees that go, isn't it? Because it's that sort of thing that your body is going one way. And the ski is going the other, so the yeah. twist and the the, yeah. the the problems come when you twist the knit that comes comes down to the knee. So I feel like I shouldn't yeah. probably ski because I mean, <laughs> my, my right leg is just deficient, so I probably shouldn't do that. No, maybe not. I don't know.
2: But we did right back at the very early incarnation of our podcast when we discussed our list. We did debate and indeed include, include yeah. the Harnikarn downhill race in Kitzbühel, which took place this year. Uh, about a month ago in January, and it's notoriously the most challenging downhill race in Kitzbühel. And it is like the FA Cup final of skiing in the sense that it's it's a classic pitch, classic race called Notoriously Difficult, Fast and Hard. And the Austrians really go to town. It is party central. They'll all be in the bars. They'll all be in resort in the days before Apres goes off and they're drinking all day, they're lining the course, the cowbell sounds are coming out, the hooters are coming out, the flags are out, and this is just a lot of piss people supporting people while watching the sport. See, that sounds so, good. Yeah, sounds so good. next year is, is something we really need to work together. I think that's a good show. And shot. get you out there, even if it's just on a little nursery slope, doing your little... Doing your little turns down on the green slope, and then we get to the bars and watch oh, the
1: Hanukkah down downhill. Break my ankle! I'm going to break my legs. But uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I do feel bad that I have. It, it is a regret of mine that I've never been skiing properly. So yeah, maybe we should do it. And the hanukkah yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a right pisser. We're we doing Tamworth. Tamworth. Tamworth Snowdome.
2: Yeah. Hempstead yeah. <laughs> And uh, we shall do uh, a, a little pre Han and Khan downhill. I think that'd be brilliant.
1: That's a good shout.
2: But if you never have ski before, Obviously, you know, I think people assume it's very expensive. It is to a certain degree, but don't be put off. Like, you can get out, you can borrow gear from people. There are cheaper resorts in Bulgaria, in Andorra, different parts where you could really go out and have and experience all the joy of the mountains, learn to ski without breaking the bank, and then you step up to some of these more... Famous resorts and and really go full on with the experience. But are there
1: any resorts really here? i encourage
2: people to do it up in Scotland. I was yeah, gonna say, are there, there any are in the Cairngorms, Aviemore, and um, Cairngorms and other resorts which I have skied and years and years ago. And I mean, it can be a real mixed bag because you can find yourself with sort of horizontal winds, ice in your face, Ooh. really really cold conditions, icy tricky runs. Not very long runs on old infrastructure, so you're freezing your tits off, being dragged up a drag lift in, you know, minus eighteen. That
1: doesn't barren s- conditions. That doesn't sound as it's romantic. Not no. Fun.
2: no, it's not quite the alpine trees of Austria and yeah. Saspe and all that sort of stuff. Now, okay, fair enough. I mean, I, it could really put you off for life. I think it is a love hate thing. The equipment, the situation, people either really take to it and think this is a passion born, hmm. or people are like this is horrific. I'm meant to be on holiday. I'd much rather be on a beach. I'm grimacing.
1: No, I, yeah. I would rather <laughs> ski. I am you're I, in that category. Well, I don't, see, I don't do beach holidays. I don't like sitting around no. doing nothing. I'd rather go to a city or something. So I don't know, maybe yeah. skiing would be good. I mean, the people who have asked me to go with them, and I haven't been able to just for work commitments and stuff, um, they'd be like, you'd love it. You'd absolutely love skiing. So I really should give it a go. You're like the yeah. fourth or fifth person who said, come skiing with me, so I, I should yeah. probably do this. It's a great
2: mate's holiday. Yeah, I can imagine. You, you all just yeah. get
1: a villa, pile out and have a great laugh. You get pissed, yeah. Um, That's
2: good. Okay,
1: we'll do it. So are you happy to be back? Are you happy to be back, Rob? Or uh, I am
2: in the sense that I feel like I've been away permanently since December with yeah, you just, the American yeah. trips and a couple of ski trips already, and I'm just really enjoying being back home, settling into a bit of routine, being around. That said... I have got one more ski trip in March. I'm going away
1: for this weekend. Christ. Maybe you should try and get an <laughs> acting job, mate. Maybe you should try and get your acting <laughs> oh, career yeah. back on again. Shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I did email my agent the other day going, I'm going skiing again. Uh, it'd be nice if it picked up again when we get back. Right. Um, okay. But we'll see. Well, it is- I need to get an advert. There must be some skiing
1: adverts I could get. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. You'd be good at that. Maybe yeah. Maybe we'll get a job this year. <laughs> a good job. I don't want to do a crap job. Yeah. I don't want to do a crap job. No. You don't deserve it crap job you deserve only the best yeah oh do you reckon yeah oh that's kind of you mate you are the matter horn of actors you deserve to be at the peak <laughs> I, of your profession i don't think that's true maybe i've already <laughs> peaked no i don't think i have i'm maybe. a bit of a late bloomer, maybe me, so i think i've got my career's going to be better in its what's the word what's the opposite to infancy in its in its autumn yeah my career is going to be yeah I think so.
2: Yeah, you're gonna be the Jim Broadbent of your generation when oh he comes I love to fame that. in his forties and fifties. Patrick Stewart. That'd be good, Patrick it? Stewart only became
1: Patrick Stewart when he was, was forty three yeah. when he got Star Trek. That's when his yeah. career kicked off. Yeah.
2: I, I've been telling myself that for twenty years as well.
0: <laughs> he said he only became Patrick Stewart when he was fifty. What was his name? Derek?
2: <laughs> he was called Brenda before. <laughs> no, <I see. laughs>
0: yeah, Brenda Stewart. Oh, right. Well,
2: for a ski yogurt. Do you remember ski yogurts?
1: Yeah, that was grandstand, right? Ski Sunday. Oh, ski Sunday. <laughs> not not a yogurt advert. <laughs>
2: All right, boys, we'll have a lovely, lovely time. Sand,
1: I'm off. Good lad.